0: chapter 15, let's look down tonight, and uh, what we're seeing is what happens immediately following the work of God in the Red Sea, where God has drowned Pharaoh in chapter number 14, and we're going to pick up in chapter 15 and really skip through this chapter until we get all the way over to about verse number 20. So let's begin in verse 1. The Bible says, then, now notice the then is very important, the then is post-drowning of Pharaoh. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord. And spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea, the Lord is my strength and my song and song, and he is become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him a habitation, my father's God, and I will exalt him. So it goes on down, and they're just singing praise to the Lord, and we could read all of these in detail, but for the sake of time, let's skip all the way down if we could to verse twenty one and notice what Miriam says, and Miriam answered them, "Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. So they are just singing 21 verses. Now, folks, we get tired singing two or three verses. Can you imagine singing 21 verses of praise? And then watch what happens in verse 22 it's amazing. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Pay close attention to that. Therefore, the name of it is called Marah. And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. The last verse, verse 26 And said, "'If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God,' And will do that which is right in his sight and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for the privilege of learning, Lord, from what you've preserved for us. I pray that, Father, you'd help us preach what you've given us tonight. Lord, I pray you'd speak to hearts beyond my words. And Holy Spirit, I pray you'd have your will and way. Lord, help us to see what you've sent to us tonight and help us receive it and be obedient to it, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to share with you something that is on my heart, and normally uh, before we preach something, a message has been on your heart for days, if not weeks, and sometimes even months, and then the Lord just doesn't let you pull the trigger on it just yet, and uh, this is the verse the Lord put on my heart this morning. I had several thoughts we've been working through, preparing for the first few services after a time of transition, and this morning when I woke up, uh, the Lord put this on our heart, and so we're preaching one fresh out of the oven, Uh, but I believe it's something the Lord would have us to share with our church tonight and I'm not going to try to preach at you, okay? That's not my desire or my goal, to preach at you, to throw something at you, but I really honestly want to share something with you tonight that I believe we could all glean from, particularly in the day and age that we're living right Now, now I want you to picture exactly what's going on here chapter number 14, God has wrought one of his greatest victories, much like Elijah on Mount Carmel. God has done something that we would all have loved to have been there, and we'd all love to see. And the Bible says that after, right after they come through this, now remember, we're talking probably two to three million people, and God has led them through the Red Sea, and they are celebrating this miraculous deliverance. Now, can you imagine what it sounded like to have two to three million people singing praises to God? Uh, I remember the last few services on Sunday morning or on Sunday nights when we came together, and even tonight, listening to God's people sing together. There's nothing like that. Uh, And I love it now that we're back more than I did probably before we left because we appreciate it more now. Can you imagine two to three million people singing praise to God? It was probably a thundering sound. And yet we notice when we get down to verse number 22, almost in an instant, the mood changes. Spirits have fallen. And hope now is lost. And as we look at this, what's going on here, in a, one moment their heart is overflowing with joy, and now their heart is overflowing with murmuring. The Bible says they come to through the wilderness of shore, and they went to the, the, um, the waters of Marah, and they were bitter. They were unable to drink. Now, here's what I want you to think about tonight the thought, this is going to be the title of the message tonight. I want you to think they have literally come to a place where life is now hard to swallow. Have you ever been to a place in your life where you come to a set of circumstances that are very hard to swallow? They've come to the waters where they're coming. Now imagine, it's got to be big enough to water two to three million people. So we're not just talking about a little bubbling brook. We're talking about uh, the springs, if you will, a large quantity of water. And they're looking forward to drinking some good, fresh, clean water. And when they get there along the road, along the route of God's will of where he is calling them to, they come to a place that's very bitter. They can't drink this water. As a matter of fact, when you look it up, it means it was repulsive to them. They could not tolerate it. They couldn't stomach the water that was there. And now we notice they begin to question God. And they begin to question the road ahead. And they begin to get a critical spirit. Look down, if you will, verse 24. The Bible says they murmured against Moses. Why? Because along the path of the route that God was leading them on to the place that God was leading them to, they came to a place that was bitter, it was tough, and it was hard to swallow. I think we could all probably say that we understand that term and that idea a little bit better over the last four to six months than we did uh, seven or eight months ago. I think we've all experienced that at one point, and I think we've probably all come to a Mara, in the last few months together, where we're coming to a place in the will of God for our life, and it's bitter. It's something we don't like the taste of. I'll be honest with you. I don't like the taste of the last four months I know this is where God has me, and I know this is where God has called us, and we've come to a place collectively, not just with what's going on in our world, but even in the last few weeks of the transitions we're going in and, uh, into in our church. is probably something we don't like the taste of, and uh, we're telling God, much like my daughter used to tell me with her facial expressions, when you'd put those green peas in her mouth, <laughs> she didn't like it, and it tasted nasty to her. And I want to tell you, the, the thought I'm going to share with you tonight is very personal to me. Uh, because it's one that I have had many times over the last four months. Let me explain to you why. It takes about a year to two, Brother Brent told me when I first came here, it's going to take you about two years to get settled in. We were going up Highway 49 together, and I says, no, it's not. I said, there's no way I can wait two years to get settled in here. We've got to get here, we've got to get busy, we've got to get to work and find out what God's got next for Central Baptist Church. Well, now I'm beginning to believe him a little bit, that maybe it is going to take two years to get settled in just to learn everybody's names, which I hate to say, but I'll just be honest with you, that's work in itself, especially the fact that my 40-year-old brain is getting older with each passing day. And so here we are just about a year into, the, into this and we're getting settled. We're learning everybody's name and we're learning about the church and how the church functions and getting ready to put it in drive to go where God would have us to go. And lo and behold, this virus hits. We come to a place that just getting ready to get our gears going and we're engaged and trying to get everybody involved. And next thing you know, the, the rug is jerked out from under you. And even though I know it's not true, I was very and have been very tempted to tell God, God, this is not fair. God, I was just getting settled in. God, wait a minute now. Come on. You give us an opportunity, and we have a great theme for our year, and we're looking forward to our church being engaged, everybody getting involved, and we're getting ready to move forward, and we're looking forward to all that God has planned for our church in the new year, and now we're not even sure if the world's going to survive the year. You're thinking, God, this is bitter. I don't like this. I've, I've talked to other pastors who've had the same thing. Now, hear me out. If you're not careful... You're going to allow what's going on to distract you from where we're going to, okay? If you're not careful, you're going to allow the circumstances, not just within our church, but I'm talking about the circumstances within our life right now, you will allow those circumstances of what is going on to distract you from where we are going to, Now, folks, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to raise my hand tonight. Who we are and what we are is not in jeopardy tonight, but we're going to allow that to be if we allow the circumstances to hold us back from where God would have us to go, because the will of God still must go on. In spite of what's going on in our world and in spite of what's going on in our heart, and in spite of how bitter the circumstances can be at times, the will of God still must go on. We are still here for such a time as this, and God has called us to continue to be salt and light in spite of the circumstances. We have a question to answer. How do we move forward in spite of all the world that's caving in on around us when the situation is so bitter? I believe tonight there's some answers here for us, and we're going to look at just really when life gets too tough to swallow, and when life gets tough to swallow, how do we continue on in the will of God? And there's a beautiful picture here for us to see. So let's look down together if we could. Verse number 22. They come and they find no water. The Bible says "Well, they find water and that water is bitter, verse 23. The Bible says they could not drink. They could not drink. It was undrinkable. It was water that they just could not stomach. But I want you to see something very special here. I want you to notice, first of all tonight, the bitterness between the blessings. I want you to notice the bitterness between the blessings. Now, this stop along the route of God's will for their life is one they would have rather passed by. I think we could all agree with that tonight. Uh, when you get to the place of bitterness along the road of the will of God for your life, you would rather pass that by because it's bitter, it's repulsive, it's something you want to push away. But can I tell you tonight, oftentimes places of bitterness along the route of God's will for our life should be just as common and will be just as common as places of that dried up seed that God's going to bring us through miraculously. Jesus said that in this life, in this world, we would have tribulation, means we're going to have difficult or bitter times that we don't like the taste of the circumstances that we're living in. But here's what I want you to understand. This place of bitterness was bitterness between two blessings. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, they could look behind them just a few days, three days before this, God had miraculously brought them through the Red Sea. I mean, what a blessing to be able to see what God did in their past. Now, wait a minute, where's God taking them? God's taking them to the promised land. You're talking about a blessing, a wonderful prepared blessing by God. And so even though they're going through a time of bitterness, it's important to note that this time of bitterness was bitterness between the blessings. I want you to understand as a child of God tonight, in order for us to make it through these times of bitterness, we must understand that no matter how long we go through times of bitterness and don't like the taste of our circumstances, there's always going to be a blessing to end out. Why? Because we know that no matter what happens in this life, there's a blessing waiting for us on the other side. And we understand that. Why? Because the same God that promised them that there was a promised land is the same God who has promised to us that there's a promised land for us, and it's called heaven. And he's prepared it for us. I believe tonight that's an important principle to understand. That yes, we're going to go through bitterness. And yes, we're going to have times where we don't like the taste of our circumstances. But as a child of God, understand they're always going to be brief. Why? Because of the promises of God. I believe this is what kept Job going. Job chapter 2, verse number 10. When his wife says, why don't you curse God and die? Job's wife is drinking out of a cup that she does not want to drink out of. And by the way, you talk about bitterness. That's the bitter cup losing 10 of your children losing all of your earthly possessions and she's drinking out of this bitter cup and she spits it in her husband's face theoretically and she says why don't you just curse God and die what did he say in verse number 10 of Job 2 what shall we receive good at the hand of God and shall we not receive evil the Bible says in all of this did not Job sin with his lips Job go on and say, Job says, I understand that the Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. He says, I understand that we're going through a bitter time, but Job understood on the other side of the bitter time, there was going to be a blessing. You see, well, how do you know? Because Job 19, 25, he says, I know that my Redeemer liveth, that he shall stand, that's future tense, at the latter day. Job says, yes, this is bitter. I mean, how could any father lose, lose 10 children and not, could not call that bitter? I shudder at the thought of losing one child, and he lost ten. He lost his friends and lost the support of his wife. And I'll tell you, I think his husbands could agree tonight, losing the support of your wife would probably be one of the most bitter things of all. And yet Job says, I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day. Folks, we've got to understand tonight that there are places of bitterness along the road. There are places to where our circumstances are not going to be something we want to taste for very long, but it's just as much a part of it as the blessings of God. That's why Jesus said you're going to have tribulation. Prime example is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Talk about the most bitter of all cups was the cup that he was about to drink out of. What did he say? He looked up and he says, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass. He knew that what was on the inside of that cup was bitter. He knew that it was not something that you would want to drink or desire to drink. And he said, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Here's Christ understanding and accepting the fact that oftentimes we are called upon to drink out of bitter cups. That sometimes life is not going to be something we like to taste, but it's part of it. And I'm going to show you why here in just a few minutes. Notice the Bible says in verse 23, When they came to, the, to Mara, they could not drink. you know how many times in the last few weeks I've talked to people on the phone, talked to people in my office, talked to people in their homes, and they've just about reached their limit? It's too bitter. It's too bitter. And now they're becoming bitter. Could I give you a little bit of word of warning tonight? Listen, I'm not going to preach at you. I'm trying to share something with you. Be careful not to allow the bitterness of your circumstances to turn into bitterness of heart. I see it happening. I see people who once celebrated and cheered the goodness of God in verse 21, and now in verse number 24, they're murmuring. Now, I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking about we're all susceptible to this. Why? Because you're going to come to places along the road of your life that are going to be hard to swallow, things you're not going to like, and you've got to know how to manage. And the way that you manage is by realizing that the bitterness is often sandwiched between the blessings. Just look back at what God's already done. God just brought them to the Red Sea. Look where God's going to take them. All of a sudden, the bitterness begins to shrink. Listen to David, Psalms 30, verse 5. The Bible says, "'For his anger endureth but a moment.'" In his favor, his life, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. What was David doing? Notice the temporary words here. For his anger endureth but a moment. David was already looking past the chastising hand of God. David was already looking beyond the weeping. Why? He was looking for the joy that comes in the morning. David says, look, this bitterness is sandwiched between two blessings. And folks, as a child of God, because of who he is and what he says and what he's promised, we as the people of God can always look forward to the blessings on the other side of the bitterness. Even if your, your whole life, God forbid, is bitter. I've known people that were born with birth defects or maybe in a car accident, and the rest or all of their human life was just bitter. Just bitter. But what a blessing it was to preach funerals along that line you be able to encourage people that they have found the blessing on the other side of the bitterness. And I assure you, even if you have a wonderful life here, this is bitterness compared to the blessing that's to come. Folks, understand tonight, bitterness comes along the way. We're going to have circumstances along the way that we want to spit out, that we don't want to swallow, but they're part of God's will and God's route for our life. And I assure you, it's much easier to accept the bitterness when you know it's between the blessings. When I first got here... <clears throat> I was sitting at my desk one day and I coughed a few times. Hey, Miss Pam, are you here tonight, Miss Pam? Is she here? Miss Pam's back there. I coughed a few times. I don't think. Look, Miss Pam is like the most full service secretary I have ever met. She comes running around the corner. I've got something for that. I said, "Oh, really?" She said, "Yes." Yeah. She's. I'll be right back. She goes in the kitchen. She comes back with this very tall glass. And a very tall glass. It was kind of frosty on the outside because it was very cold water and ice. On the inside, it looked like sweet tea. It had some cubes of ice, and I'm thinking, well, oh, that was so sweet. And she said, This is something that will help. It's called apple cider vinegar. I said, well, I've heard of it. I've heard of it. You know, I've seen people that had the little bottles, you know. And um, <clears throat> she said, Just drink this down, and it'll, it'll help. And so I took a sip of it. Oh. <clears throat> I'm not sure if Mara doesn't mean apple cider vinegar in Hebrew. It was rough. It was rough. And she says, it'll help. I promise it's going to help. And so I, I held my nose. After she left the office, I held my nose as fast as I could and put it down. Not long after that, I had a sore throat. Miss Pam says, you know what? I, I got something that'll help you with that. What did you call that? Nature's fire? Was that what it was called? It was some kind of fire. It was this little bitty bottle. And look, And when you know there's only that much in there, you know it's potent. And she says, I want you to take this, and you, you know, gargle it around in there, and it's going to help you with that. And why I put it in, and... All of a sudden, you felt like something's on the inside of you that shouldn't be on the inside of you. After a while, my cough got to feeling better. And so, you know, the next time that I had a cough, I looked at that apple cider vinegar a little differently. Why? Because I knew that it helped me the first time. And even though it was extremely hard to swallow, extremely hard to swallow. If you like some, I've got some in my office right now. I'd be glad to share with you. There's not a selfish bone in my body. I'll let you have some or all of it if you'd like. It was hard to swallow, but I know on the other side of the bitterness, there was betterness, all right? It's easy to swallow the bitterness when you know on the other side of it, there's the betterness. And for the children of Israel, even though they came to this bitter place, this bitter place was on the route of God's will, leading them to something better. And so they had to get beyond the bitter to get to the better. And let me tell you something tonight. How often do we die at Mara? not going to drink it. Not going to go through this. I remember <clears throat> when my mom first got sick about 17 years ago, we were at first General Hospital. The doctor told us she has a year to live. Now, obviously, if you know, my mom's doing quite well now and uh, thankful for God and give him the glory for that. But I remember going home that night. I remember kneeling in the corner of our living room with my brother and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And I'm just telling God, no, I don't accept this. I'm a mama's boy. I said, I don't accept this. I love my mom. You can't take my mom. I'm kind of the glue that holds everything together. I don't like the taste of this. And I'm just telling God, God, you are sovereign to do what you want, but I don't like it. And can I tell you, every once in a while, it's all right just to say you don't like the taste of something. But don't die there. Don't die there. Why? Because there's bitterness on the other side of bitterness. I want to give you something real quick, just a quick additive, because the points get shorter the further we go, okay? Have you noticed that point? Number one is usually the longest, and they get shorter as we go. Some of you have noticed that. Some of you, if you wake up, you'll notice that, okay? But it's usually the way that it goes. I did a real, an interesting study today. I had a brief time to really look at this and study this out. Do you know what the word bitter means and what bitter waters usually were in this time era when they said the waters were Bitter. They were bitter because they were stagnant. You ever come upon stagnant water? Oh, it's just kind of nasty. You know, it kind of gets that oil slick look on the top of it. And you're thinking, I would not want to drink that. And I thought to myself, how often in our life is our life a little bit bitter because we grow stagnant? Stagnant water gets bitter. Stagnant water is not something you want to drink. Can I ask you something? You know why things get stagnant? Because they're not stirred. When was the last time you allowed God to stir your heart? When was the last time you allowed the word of God to stir your heart? When was the last time you were stirred enough to get up and come down to an altar and pray? I know we can't pray down here right now. We can turn around in our seats and spend time talking with God. Can I tell you the reason your life tonight may be bitter? Because you're stagnant. Because you're not allowing yourself to be stirred. And I assure you this it's going to be hard to get past that. And you'll die stagnant if you don't get stirred up every once in a while. What did Paul tell Timothy? Stir up the gift. Don't let it get stagnant. Don't let it get stale. And I assure you, look, with all that's going on, there's a temptation just to hunker down and get spiritually stagnant. And that's when your life's going to turn bitter because you quit being stirred. Folks, that's why it's important. Get up in the morning. Spend time in the Bible. Spend time on your knees before God. Let him stir you up a little bit. Because if you don't let him stir you up a little bit, you're going to get stagnant. And then you're going to get bitter. And then you're going to get critical. This is exactly what happened here. The waters were stagnant because they hadn't been stirred in a long time. The well, second thing, notice real quickly the Bible says, in verse 23, they found the water. They couldn't drink it. And the Bible says the people murmured against Moses. And I'll tell you, look, it would break my heart if most of you began to murmur against me. I'll be honest with you. I get my feelings hurt real easy. I do. Just ask my wife. She hurts my feelings all the time, barking at me and being mean to me. No, she's not. She loves me and puts up with me. I assure you of that. Boy, it hurt my feelings. Can you imagine two to three million people not liking you? I mean, you get mad when somebody puts a frowny face on your social media post. You do. You admit it. it hurts your feelings a little bit. Oh, and you unfollow those people for that, don't you? Many of you have already unfollowed me because you don't like me. It's okay, all right? It hurts our feelings. I know how it feels. Two to three million people are mad at you. So watch what Moses does. The Bible says verse 25, And he cried unto the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree. Which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. I want you to notice the second thing. When life gets tough to swallow, I want you to see the solution for their circumstance. The solution for their circumstance. Here's what's interesting. Verse number 25, the Bible says, and he cried. And he cried. But here's what I want you to see. The word right after, the word cried. The Bible says he cried unto the Lord. Now, this is very important. If we're going to have a solution for our circumstance, we don't like the taste of our circumstances. We want life to get back to normal. We want everything to be the way that we like it to be. If we want a solution, we're going to have to understand that it comes through crying, but it's important to notice where he cried. The Bible says he cried unto the Lord. There's a difference tonight in crying about your circumstance and crying out in your circumstance. Hear me out. There's a difference in crying about your circumstances and crying out in your circumstances. Moses was not just whining about what was going on. Moses was directing his cries unto the Lord. Now, folks, could you imagine tonight how different our circumstances would be if we didn't just cry and whine about our circumstances, but instead we directed them to one who could actually change our circumstances. Moses could have just sat down and cried under his juniper tree. Then Moses could have just said, God, all these people don't like me. I mean, two to three million, I'd be finding a bunker somewhere. I mean, two to three million. I mean, Brother, Brother Matthew, we could probably handle a million, but I don't know, two to three, they'd probably overpower us after a while. I mean, even us southern boys, they'd probably overpower us. And here he is crying, but notice he's crying out to the Lord. Folks, I wonder how it would change your circumstance and your situation if instead of crying about it, you cried out to the one who could do something about it. Notice it says in verse 25, he cried unto the Lord. If you're not careful, you're going to let the bitterness, watch this, you're going to let the bitterness cause you to cry out against others rather than call out to God. That's exactly what they did. Verse 24, and the people murmured against Moses. Why? He was the easy target. He was the easy target. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm as guilty as the next guy. When When I go in defense mode, I'm going to find the easiest target out there. I am. I can be a coward at times. And I think if we were all honest just a little bit, we'd admit it too. We're going to pick that easy target. We're going to find that person who's the lightning rod. But I'll tell you, it usually does no good. Murmuring against Moses did no good. But Moses went to the one who could actually solve the problem. That's why the Bible says in Jeremiah 33, call unto Me. Instead of whining and crying about your circumstances, why don't we call upon the one who actually can do something? Now, what does the rest of Jeremiah 33 say? Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and what? Show thee. Stop right there. Look at verse 25. And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord, oh, my goodness. He did what the Bible says in Jeremiah 33.3, 3, and God says, I will show thee. And look, it's almost like the same person wrote this book, and he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. Folks, it would be amazing what God could show us through the bitter times that are hard to swallow if we just directed our cries. I mean, look, social media can be a great thing, or it can be a bane on society, Look, crying out on social media really does no good. But if we cried into the one who could make a difference, God just might show us something. Now, let me give you this real quick. Why don't we do that more? He tells us he will answer us and show us. And boy, do we need an answer right now. Boy, do we need him to show us something right now. But why don't we call upon him? Let me tell you why. Because we know it's not a toll-free call. You hear me? It's not a toll-free call. We know that in order to get in touch with him, you talk about long distance, that's long distance. Do they even have long distance anymore? I was trying to figure that out this afternoon. Do they have, you people with a landline, anybody have a landline? Is long distance real anymore? Used to, you kids, look, you couldn't call state to state, out of state, without it costing a lot more money. I know that's weird to you today, but used to, you know, if you're on the phone, dad would say, you know, you're talking to your cousin in Florida, all right, you got two minutes. We had timers. We had phone timers. You know how long you could stay on there? I remember when I went to Uganda, uh, before I left, I did the prudent thing of asking Sailor South, which is now, what is it, C Spire? It was Sailor South then. How much it's going to cost for me to call my wife? Okay? I'm not going 10 days without talking to my wife. I know some of you would look forward to that, but uh, not me. I love talking to my wife. And they said it's going to be $1.50 a minute to talk to my wife. But, pff, that's well worth it. Talk to my wife, all right? I don't know about your wife, but my wife's worth it. And so I get over there and I'm just talking to my wife. I'd get up in the mornings and I would go outside of the little place we were staying, the little safe house we stayed at, and uh, they would cook us breakfast when we were in the city. Now we're in the bush, they wouldn't cook us breakfast there, and you probably wouldn't want to eat it if they did, you know. So I would go down and they cook what's called a half English breakfast. She asked me one morning, she says, Sir, do you want a half English breakfast? I'm thinking, well, I'm usually a whole breakfast kind of man, you know. I don't know if I can handle a half kind of breakfast. I want a whole. And she brought the half out. It was huge bread, Brother Matthews. And it was lamb sausage, fresh grown and fresh cut fruit, fresh juice and coffee that would straighten you out quick, buddy. I wanted you to know it was stout I asked a half English breakfast. And I'd sit there and talk to my wife. Now, we were only there for two days, okay, in that little area. We were in the bush most of the other times. And so I'm sitting suffering on the mission field, eating a half English breakfast, talking to my wife across the ocean. And then I get home, and somebody got their wires crossed because it was $4 a minute. How much was that phone bill? $1,200? $1200. $1200. And I says, look, I was in a bind there because now if you argue about it, your wife's going to think it wasn't worth it. I'm like, oh, it was worth it. But my wife keeps the books too. So I know that she would appreciate. All right, and I went to him and I talked to him and I said, look, I talked to so-and-so before I left. They said $1.50 and they adjusted it. But I just want you to understand before I made that long distance call, I had to decide whether or not it was worth the price that was going to call to make that phone call. Now, can I tell you tonight as a child of God, why the answer is right there. He says, I will answer thee. And I will show thee. Why don't we call? Because it's expensive. Because it said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So in order, we you know, used to you deposit nickels and dimes into the phones. I mean, kids today are just their minds blown. You put money in a phone? Yes. Or they cut you off. Please deposit a nickel or a quarter or a dollar whatever it was. They'll cut you off. Now, folks, it's a lot that way with God. There's some things we have to deposit. There's some things we have to turn loose of in order to make that phone call to God that he will show us and answer us. But we look at the cost. I'm going to have to give up what to hear from you? No, it's not worth it. And that's why you live in bitterness. That's why you live in bitterness. The Bible says he showed Moses something. Can I tell you tonight, when life gets too hard to swallow, can I tell you something that will help you? Be mindful that God may be wanting to show you something. When you come to a place of bitterness along the route of God's will for your life, and you know, listen, you know you're where you're supposed to be, and yet things get bitter, pause for a moment. God may be wanting to show you something. 2 Corinthians 12, 7, we know this well. Paul says, Unless I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn. Notice he didn't say, I just picked one up. Notice he didn't say, I just stumbled upon a thorn. Paul says, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Could I answer this? If he was given a thorn, there had to be a giver. There had to be a giver. That means someone higher above Paul was in charge of letting that circumstance come his way. He said, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Why? Listen close. The messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. You say, well, that's just cruel of God. Why would God let Paul go through this thorn, this difficult time, this bitter cup? Why would God do that? Because he wanted to show him something. What did he want to show him? He wanted to show him, if you'll keep reading in that passage in chapter 12, that his grace was sufficient. That his grace was sufficient. Do you know what you find when you get to a place of bitterness? Or you don't want to go forward and the cup is just too bitter to drink and you don't want to swallow the difficult circumstances of life, can I tell you what you learn a lot about during bitter times? Grace. Grace. I have, I have learned more about the things I sing about in the past four months. I've learned more about the things I sing about. So what do you mean? I sing about amazing Grace. But boy, I've learned a lot about it in the last four months. I sing about Christ, the solid rock I stand, and I sing about it, and yes, I believe that, but oh, I understand it so much more better now. Why? Because I've had to go through a time of bitterness. This is why Paul would go on to say in verse 10 of chapter 12, 2 Corinthians, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. You know you've reached a whole new echelon of your walk with God, when you can take pleasure in the bitterness, when you know that through the bitterness, God's going to show you something. I can endure that. I'm going to go through that. Why? Because God's trying to show me something. Now, here's something real interesting. i want to give you the last two. The last two are very short. The Bible says he cried in the Lord, verse 25, and the Lord showed him a tree. Now, here's what's interesting. Don't you kind of figure that tree was there all along? Moses didn't realize it. The answer was right there all along. Moses comes up. They drink out of the water. The people start griping and complaining. Moses starts backing up, thinking they're going to jump him or something. He cries unto the Lord, and the Lord shows him a tree that was there all along. But he just didn't realize it. And how often do we go through these times of bitterness? I'm talking about cups we don't want to drink. God, I don't like that. Maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's the loss of a friend. Maybe it's transitions in a church. Maybe it's what's going on in our world. They say, God, I don't like this. And God says, boy, I got something I'm going to show you through this. And what he shows us was there all along. And how often do we go through these times? And the answer is there all along. It was right there. It's like the socks that I can't find that my wife magically finds. I mean, I have graduated from a dresser drawer of socks, stylish, wonderful socks. Matter of fact, the coats got me a pair of socks from the Ark. That's the first one of those I got, and so I'm sporting even a new pair. But I've graduated from a drawer to a laundry basket in the bottom of the closet. That's the only thing that will hold them. And one of my favorite parts of getting dressed before church is sitting down and digging through that basket to find just the perfect pair of socks to complement my wardrobe. That's the only thing cool about my life is my socks. I'll tell my wife, where's the Winnie the Poohs? I need the Winnie the Poohs tonight. That's just kind of the mood I'm in, all right? I'm feeling in a kind, compassionate mood. Get me the Winnie the Poohs, okay? My socks, Tell about my mood, Or maybe I want the Superman socks. Maybe I'm just kind of feeling it, you know? And I say, get me the Superman socks. And I say, they're not in here. And she'll walk in there almost without even looking, stick her hand down in there and pull out those Superman socks. They were there all along. They were there all along. And how often do we search and search in this life? God, I need peace. God, I need joy. God, I need relief. And God says it's right there under your nose. The answer to the bitter cup that you don't want to drink is right there, and he says, It's this tree, not what he expected it to be. And isn't that the case? I would have expected God to say, The answer is a tree. You know, sometimes the answer is obvious. God says, There's the answer. It's that tree over there. Oh, okay. What do we do with that? God says, I'll show you. So notice, real quick, I'll give you the last thing. The Bible says, He cried unto the Lord. The Lord showed him a tree, which he had cast into the waters. The waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them. Now, wait a minute. I mean, immediately from making the water bitter to the water sweet, the Bible says there he made for them a statute and an ordinance. He stops right there and says, hey, God wants to show you something. I want to teach you something. That's number three. Notice the lesson in their labor. There's a lesson in the labor. Aren't you glad that there's a lesson even in bitter times, that God wants us to learn and God wants to show us. And it's really two parts, and we're done. The first part, the Bible says here, verse number 20, 26, the Lord says, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. God was trying to show them something. What well, was it? Wasn't simply this He was trying to show them that he can. He was trying to show them that he can. Here they are coming right out of the Red Sea. Surely they're convinced that God can. Surely, right? I mean, God just split the whole Red Sea for them. Surely they believe that God can, and yet they're already murmuring. So God gives them a reminder that he can. And oftentimes it takes bitterness for us to remember who God is and what God can do. Kind of like my daughter. She's prideful like her dad. She probably gets that from my side of the family. And from time to time, I'll be showing her how to do something she doesn't know how to do. And I'll show her one time, and then she's ready to be a pro at it. You know, I've showed her how to do uh, the drone, and I've showed her how to do some remote control stuff, and showed her how to work some power tools, be careful with that. And uh, after I show her one, she's like, I got it, I got it. Uh, She don't got it. She don't got it, and she usually shows that she don't got it. But I appreciate her initiative. We lack that in America today, so I appreciate that. Compliment, okay? Now, how often are we that way with God? God shows us something. We think, hey, we can do it now, God. We, we, we can handle this. And yet we find we can't, and we fail miserably. And so God lets us go through the bitter times. God lets us drink out of that bitter cup again to remind us that we can't, but he can. Folks, can I tell you something? We drift very easily. We will drift from Sunday morning to Sunday night. I mean, I almost figure sometimes we ought to have church every day of the week just to provide the opportunity for all of us to get our wheels back into balance and alignment. We drift very easily. What did Paul say in Galatians? I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you. Paul says, look, it blows my mind that you've drifted so quickly. Now we drift. But what brings us back to the knowledge of who God is and what God can do? Oftentimes it's bitterness. We run from God usually in the times of blessings. And I'll tell you this, and I hate to say it, but it's the truth. If it takes bitter water to remind us of who God is and what God can do, then I'll tell you, it's worth the drink. It's worth drinking the bitter water. What reminded the prodigal son about his father? It was the good times. Boy, he's drinking it up with his buddies and he's living it up, and living his best life. No, 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 no. He didn't think about his father until that cup got bitter. When the cup was sweet and everything was great, he didn't even think about his father. And is that the case with us? Man, life's good, and we're drinking it up, and life's fine. The bank account's full. Our house is is paid for. Our car's got good tires. Everything is great, and we forget about our father, and God slides over that bitter cup, and we're thinking, I don't like this, but we drink it enough. After a while, you'll remember your father. That's what the prodigal son did. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 14, the way of the transgressor is hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. Sometimes we have to have that hard, bitter cup to remind us the way that we're on and where we need to be going. So number one, the lesson in their labor was that God can, and then simply the second part is this, you should. The lesson in their labor was this. God says, I want to remind you that I can fix this, and I want to remind you what you should do. Notice what he says in verse 26. If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God and wilt do that which is right in his sight, he says, look, I'll take care of the rest. God says, just do what you know to do. When you come to that bitter place, let it remind us of who God is and what God can do and let it remind us of how we can't and we've got to rely upon him. That's the lesson in in their labor. The last thing I wanna give you and we're done. I promise you we're done. This is not even a point, but I wanna show you this real quickly. I wanna show you the consolation in their conflict. This is not a point, but it's just a follow-up. A consolation in their conflict. Is there anything good that can come out of all that we're going through right now? What is the consolation in all of it? Here's what's neat God did not have to remove the water to change it. God did not have to remove the bitter water to change it. He changed it, much like He did with Paul's thorn. Notice the Bible says He didn't remove the thorn. He says, I asked the Lord three times, God, take this thorn away from me. And God never took the thorn away, whatever it was, but he showed him that his grace was sufficient. So what is our consolation tonight? When life gets tough to swallow, what's our consolation? Well, our consolation is simply this, that God doesn't have to remove our bad circumstances to change them. And understand that all that we're going through right now, God can work in the midst of the bitterness to show us who he is And what we should do. Now folks, I'm not going to volunteer and be the first to line up for the bitter cup. I don't like it. I like my life to be normal, structured, and settled. And the older I get, just peaceful. But there are times along the road of the will of God for our life, we're going to come to a Mara, a bitter place. And life's going to be hard to swallow. And God wants us to understand there's something for us to learn there. He wants us to show us something there. He wants to show us that in spite of your circumstances, I can work through it to help you learn to rely on me and less on you. Tonight, let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed just for a few minutes.